Welcome to this episode of Disrupt, a podcast of the Cedarville University Center for Pharmacy Innovation. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Dr. Kathy Kuhn, Chief Pharmacy Officer and President of Health in Motion Network. In this episode, we will be talking about electronic health records, health information exchanges, and the importance of patient health information in pharmacy practice. Thanks for tuning in to Disrupt. Before we dive into today's conversation with our guest, Dr. Kathy Kuhn, I wanted to make you aware of some changes in her role since the recording of this episode. Just a couple of weeks ago, Health in Motion Network and the Parallel Software Platform were acquired by Custom Health. With this change, Kathy has been appointed to the executive team of Custom Health with responsibility for leadership of their clinical programs. I'm confident that you will enjoy this episode as we explore how health information exchanges may be a key to catalyzing clinical pharmacy services in many pharmacy settings. Thanks again for listening in. Listeners, welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited about our topic today and our guest, Dr. Kathy Kuhn. Uh, Kathy, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So full disclaimer, uh, Dr. Kuhn and I go way back. We were actually classmates in pharmacy school, and it's been fun to see the many uh, different adventures she's had in her, her career already. And um, I'm excited to hear a little bit more about that today. So let me just kick us off by asking you to tell us a bit about your own story and background in pharmacy. Sure. Thanks again for having me. Um, so just my background, I grew up in Ohio where I spent most of my life here. Um, I come from a family of healthcare providers. So my mom was a nurse and importantly, my dad is a pharmacist. Um, so he actually went to Ohio Northern University, which is where I ended up going to pharmacy school. Um, just again, continuing the family of healthcare providers, I met my husband in pharmacy school. Um, and he's a pharmacist, but he's also now a physician. Um, I guess when I think of my path to pharmacy, it was pretty non-traditional in that, um, you know, I said my dad was a pharmacist. It wasn't something that I grew up always wanting and dreaming of doing, but it's something that obviously he sh shaped and guided long-term for me. Um, I went to Miami University for my undergrad degree, which is pretty non-traditional for Ohio Northern, which is a six-year program. At Miami, I um, actually got a bachelor's in management information systems. Um, so back then is when I started my interest in business and technology and um, just never really knew that it would all come together with the pharmacy later on in my career. Um, just, I guess, following pharmacy school, I realized, or really during pharmacy school, I really was interested in clinical innovation. So thinking about the out-of-the-box out of ways that pharmacists can practice. And I really saw that at Kroger, which is where I did my residency with Ohio State and Kroger. Um, they were the early leaders in MTM, immunizations, and all things clinical as far as community pharmacy goes. Um, so again, I was really fortunate to have done my residency there and really, um, since then, my passion for clinical innovation has continued throughout my, my journey. I think um, that really is 
the the primary thing that drives me is that how can we bring pharmacists to the forefront? How can um, you know we obviously contribute to patient care, um, and it can really be done in a number of different ways. So. Again, I've practiced in community. I'm practicing now in healthcare information technology. I've spent times at, um, time at an ACO. I've spent time in academia. But for me, it's always just about that clinical innovation and passion that drives me. That's great. And that is really what has driven you to your current position with Health in Motion Network. So I'd love for us to tell you about that. What exactly do you do um, in your current position and what drove you to join the team there? Sure. Um, So Health in Motion Network is a digital health company. um, And what we do is we offer a technology called Parallel. And what it really does is provide pharmacists a tool for clinical engagement. And again, like just thinking about my background and interest around clinical innovation and that technology piece for me um, was really what drove me to Health in Motion Network. Um, You know, what I do there, you know, what I love about it is that I do all kinds of stuff. You know, every day is different. Um, And each of my roles throughout my journey has always been like a pretty non-traditional role in that I'm able to help create, um, think about the future of where our company wants to head. And importantly, I serve as like the voice of the pharmacist. So I get to work every day, not only with our internal team to make sure that we're building our technology to meet the needs of pharmacists and um, the patients and health plans and other stakeholders that are served by pharmacists, but also making sure that obviously it's usable and adoptable by pharmacists. So I really love what I'm doing because again, it's helping meet the needs of the profession today, but then also thinking ahead for the future. Okay, so as we transition a bit to our our topic at hand, I thought it'd be good for us to start by talking about electronic health records. So most people in healthcare are are probably pretty familiar with what an EHR is. Um, But I'd love for you to give us a little bit of a bird's eye view of how you see electronic health records used in healthcare. Are there sectors where it's better utilized and places where it's underutilized? Sure. Um, So just a simple way of describing an electronic health record is just taking a paper chart for a patient and you know digitizing it. So being able to read it on a computer, document the care that you provided for a patient, and being able to just like um, longitudinally follow their history and care that they've received. Um, you know, as far as like it continues to evolve as far as what an EHR can do. Um, EHR has done a lot to incorporate um, digital communication tools such as telehealth, electronic faxing. Um, But then a a lot of what we're starting to see now is around the clinical decision support and helping to identify patients who perhaps need certain care provided, alerting if there's any allergies or any other type of clinical issues. Again, um, there's it really started off as that simple electronic record where it's just documenting the care provided, but now all these enhancements um, are really helping improve patient care. As far as like who can access it, um, you know, EHRs, you traditionally see them in like a hospital or a health system, but you also see them in physicians' offices, like ambulatory care centers, really, um, more of a traditional, like, I guess, physician type um, practice. You don't always see them um, used by pharmacists 
And, you know, I, I think that's going to change, obviously, for the future and for the better. Um, but right now, as far as pharmacists goes, the um, pharmacists who are using an EHR, again, are those ones that are in health systems or perhaps embedded in a physician's office. Um, but rarely you're seeing the typical pharmacist, so the typical pharmacist being a community pharmacist, um, as well as pharmacists that are in health plans, other pharmacists that work for telehealth centers, et cetera, they oftentimes don't have access to an EHR because they might not be part of uh, a health system. So that has really limited for, you know, the scope of what a pharmacist can do in those type of settings. Yeah, I, th I think you point out a, a, a great need here in the sense that when you talk about community pharmacists, but also some in, in a few other areas that you've just rattled off, we're now talking about probably 60 to 70% of pharmacists practicing today don't have access in their everyday work to an EHR. Is that a fair statement? Yes, definitely. Okay. So um, I know you've been an advocate for, quote, team-based, patient-centric, digitally enhanced healthcare delivery. I love those buzzwords there. And, and you've been an advocate for involving the pharmacist in this, right? Um, so you've mentioned as well some of the clinical services that pharmacists can provide in lots of different care settings, whether that be MTM, disease state management, with the COVID pandemic, testing has become a big thing, and of course, immunizations. Um, it seems that with this growth and what pharmacists can do, access to pertinent health information would be critical to, to realize the full potential of pharmacists. So um, I guess what is needed from your perspective for pharmacists to get this access? Sure. I mean, absolutely. Like you said, this this access is critical for us to continue to provide excellent care. Um, you know, there's a number of different ways to get the access to this information. Pretty The pretty basic one that most pharmacists are doing are faxing a physician, um, asking for records from the patient um, from the physician's office or asking the patient to bring them in. Um, but there's new ways that pharmacists are starting to access the information. And the key to that is collaborating with your different stakeholders in the community. Um, so one is working with the physicians or the health systems in your area. Some of them might be able to give you access to their EHR or think of a different way to streamline um, how they're bringing over that information. But something that, you know, what I'm most excited about is how you can actually access information through the health information exchanges. And that's gonna give you more broad access to um, different networks and not necessarily just one practice or one system. Okay, well, that's a great transition to talk about health information exchanges. So I know personally, I, I know a little bit about health information exchanges or HIEs, but I'd love from an expert to, for you to define it for us. So what is an HIE? And um, after that, are there other similar technologies that can enhance necessary access to patient data? Sure. Um, so an HIE is called, you know, short for a health information exchange, and it's an electronic way for healthcare providers to share and exchange information about patients. And really, it's all in the name of trying to improve the quality and safety and cost of care for patients. Um, so like in the name, it you know, again, electronically, you're just sharing information amongst providers, and that can be across different health systems, across different practices and across different settings. Um, you know, getting access to health information exchanges actually um, varies 
accord, uh, depending on what type of information exchange you're trying to access. So, for example, in Ohio, there are regional health information exchanges, um, but then there's also more large national ones like Commonwealth, eHealth Exchange, just to name a few. And those are just more, they work to more nationally connect the different um, health systems and health records across the nation. Um, but getting access to them, you know, there's usually an application process. But what we do at Health in Motion Network, um, our software, we try to consolidate that in the view for the pharmacist. So again, being able to connect to health information exchanges across the national networks, but then bringing in the data and the view in a way that is most beneficial for a pharmacist. Because if you think of any type of health um, record, even if you have worked in an EHR, there is a ton of information in there. And, you know, efficiency and relevance and workflow is just key to, to being successful in clinical practice. And just dumping a whole bunch of information in front of you is not always helpful. So we've been really focused on prioritizing the needs for the pharmacist to provide care. Okay, great. So, when we think about the vast amount of information available, first in an electronic health record, but then through these health information exchanges, are, are there limits to this information? What are typically the most common data elements included in these? Are we talking medication lists, diagnoses, or do they also include labs and notes and other things like that? Yeah, so um, there are not really limits. So um, what, again, what we've been doing is prioritizing to what a pharmacist um, needs. So like you said, um, diagnosis, labs, um, just medical history, medications that were prescribed, all of that type of information lives within the electronic health record, um, and that is shared via the health information exchanges. Again, we provide what's most relevant for the pharmacist. Um, outside of Again, I guess I mentioned before that each HIE is a little bit different. I think HIEs are continuing to evolve. So um, there are certain gaps in data like immunization registries. That's a whole nother ball game. So you might That's not true. have full immunization history coming over unless it's part of the patient's medical record that's pulled in from the HIE. Um, prescription drug monitoring programs, again, that's another data source um, that's important for pharmacists. However, they're not being pulled in always through HIEs. But the beauty is that HIEs have come a long way. And again, now that pharmacists are being able to start using them too, that's been really changing how we've been able to practice. Okay, so off of that, let's get super practical. I'd love for you to give us maybe some scenarios or examples where you see how having access to an HIE can drastically increase uh, the services that can be provided by a pharmacist or enhance the quality of care provided by a pharmacist. Sure. Um, so I, I like a super simple example where, you know, most pharmacists have probably experienced this. It's that we're all trying to provide MTM, oftentimes we get, um, you know, a note or, you know, a targeted medication review sent to us saying this patient needs a statin or a cholesterol medication. Um, we have limited information of what the patient actually has as far as like if they've used a statin before, even what their cholesterol values were, um, and their diagnosis. So, 
now using the HIE and getting access to a medical record, you, one, can tell, oh, this patient does have, have diabetes. Two, you can see if they have or have not tried a statin before based off of the prescribing history that comes in. And then three, importantly, is that um, we're actually seeing lab values. So we're able to be more specific in our recommendation and have evidence to support exactly why we're recommending this. And it's in coordination with what the physician, again, is already seeing from the, their side of their medical records as well. So to me, you know, that is just, again, a super simple example, but like the legwork that traditionally goes into actually providing that recommendation is tremendous because, again, oftentimes the pharmacist is inferring what diagnosis the patient has. They don't have the lab data. And if they do request lab data, it's that phone tag or getting a fax or hopefully the physician will return that fax before, you know, that recommendation actually even goes through. So I'm sitting here listening and thinking, this is a no-brainer, right? If, if yep. we want pharmacists to be involved in this team-based, patient-centric healthcare ecosystem, they've got to have this data. Like, we, this is just something that's needed. So with that being said, what are some of the barriers you see that have prevented HIEs from expanding um, to a point where they're commonplace in pharmacy practice? Um, as far as barriers, I, I think that one is just that pharmacists don't always are aware that this opportunities exist for them to access medical records. Um, oftentimes, we're obviously focused at the prescription at hand, and so um, implementing a new clinical workflow might be difficult. But again, just like implementing and making workflow changes in general are always always difficult. And um, adding an HIE as a separate login can be cumbersome. Um, so trying to figure out ways to be efficient and seeing if there's ways to consolidate or delegate some of those, um, you know, just logging in and accessing the information is going to be important. But um, again, like there's there's barriers as far as like I mean, I guess the biggest barrier to me seems like just adoption regarding workflow. And sometimes we're our own biggest enemy because we're just so um, into doing things the traditional way. But thinking outside of the box and trying to uh, make little changes um, can go a long way. Another thing we often talk about is uh the reimbursement for clinical services provided by pharmacists. Now, the health information exchanges themselves aren't a billing mechanism, but there could be applications that utilize HIEs that facilitate this reimbursement and billing process. So is that something that's happening right now, or do you see that being a, a future state? Um, I think mo mostly future state. So as far as like HIE access, you know, pharmacists, again, are starting to see more information um, about the patient, they might help the health plan actually document and record certain measures um, that they need to meet as far as like the quality measures go, such as A1C. Um, but again, I think I think that's still um, something that we're still building towards um, because first and foremost, we need to get um, pharmacists access to the information. Yeah, it's a, it's a, definitely a stepwise approach, right? But I think this is a, a key step, just getting the information to to foster that that change that's uh, that's really needed. Mm -hmm. um, so, are HIEs the same in all states? 
or are there differences based on where you might live? Yeah, so there are um, a lot of differences because um, one is that the connectivity is, I guess, a main point. So in Ohio, we might have, uh, I can't even remember in Ohio how many different ones we have, but I know there's ones in like the Cincinnati Dayton area. There's probably, you know, ones in the Cleveland area. That connectivity is just happening regionally. Um, but even the infrastructure itself might look differently um, as well as, Again, I mentioned the application process, who gets access, um, you know, what type of information is actually available. So um, regionally, it, it varies, um, but nationally, you're seeing a big movement to make sure that like everything is interoperable and trying to get, um, I guess, good consistent data. Uh, one thing I know we've talked about on previous podcast episodes is this idea of data liquidity, the idea that when data is put somewhere, it naturally flows to all the other places in our healthcare system that this is needed. So are HIEs one of the solutions that helps us to solve this data liquidity problem in healthcare? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I know a lot of people too might have questions about there's a lot of data floating around and this is patient specific data. So um, how is privacy of patient data protected within these HIEs? What are some of the processes involved there? Sure. Um, well, like I said, most of the, I mean, all the HIEs have some type of application process. And part of that is that you're a healthcare provider accessing the data. And as a healthcare provider, it's always important to um, understand PHI you know, needs to be safe, secure, and used for appropriate reasons. So um, part of that attestation is, you know, sharing your MPI, understanding that, um, and attesting that you are providing or you're accessing this information for actual treatment purposes. Okay. So I know there are, there could be other pitfalls for ink, but it, that could happen if we increase pharmacist access to patient data. And I think uh, breaches of privacy are one of those naturally anywhere where this uh, information uh, lives that could happen. Do you see any other negatives or pitfalls to increasing pharmacist access to this data? I think in general, there's not really any pitfalls, but I think it becomes a pitfall if you don't continue to stay coordinated and have good communication with healthcare other other members of the healthcare team. So um, just because you access the data doesn't mean that you shouldn't actually still talk to your, your team members. Um, so again, you know, this is all in the good name of caring for patients and it's absolutely important to be coordinated. Absolutely. Okay. So I'd love to hear a little bit more. You've, you've given us some teasers about what Health Emotion Network does, um, but I'd love to hear more about that. What is the work you're doing that's closing these gaps of information to ensure that providers, pharmacists, and, and, and patients probably in some cases all have access to high quality health information? Sure. Um, so, I mean, we are doing a lot. One is a and I think the thing that I'm most excited about is providing that connectivity and access to medical records. Um, so for the first time, pharmacists are being able to access data via the HIEs in our platform. Um, alongside that is that um, the data that we are pulling in is comprehensive because it's, again, through the HIEs versus one single EHR. So it's pulling in data from multiple EHRs across the nation. Um, as well as we have um, connections to digital devices. 
So Fitbits, Apple Watches, thinking about ways to pull in other information that um, is critical to when managing a patient. Um, I think also what's important is that um, as we're actually providing and accessing these health records, we need to provide additional tools to make sure that um, pharmacists can provide clinical care. Um, that includes just digital tools, so to, such as um, texting, video um, with patients and other type of providers. Um, but we all do this in one comprehensive platform that makes it much easier so that, again, what we mentioned is that having one central location so that the pharmacist doesn't have to log into several different places and really um, making sure it's in one streamlined workflow. Yeah, I think that's one of the challenges we have in a connected world. I, I, there are very few of us that don't have 300 logins to different things, right? And so just bringing everything together, I think, uh, will really enhance patient care. I love that. Um, I, I want to shift gears and ask you a few questions about your involvement in professional organizations. So um, you've had the privilege of, of serving as, I believe, the president of the Ohio Pharmacist Association in the past and also as president of the American Pharmacist Association Academy of Pharmacy Practice and Management. So I'd love to hear from you. Uh, why do you feel it's important for pharmacists and particularly for yourself to be engaged in these professional organizations? Sure. Um I mean, just for me, I've always been involved because I just really believe in what pharmacists can offer. Um, we have so much to offer, and I think it's important for us to be loud and proud about it. Um, but I also think it's important for us to be involved in associations because we can't let somebody else define our future for us. And um, sometimes I think with legislation and other lobbying efforts. Uh, unfortunately, healthcare providers not, are not always on the same side. And I think it's important for pharmacy to have a unified voice and vision for where we're, we're headed and where we can contribute to patient care. Well, and some of our listeners may be wondering um, how you even got to being able to serve in those roles. Uh, of course, that's not something that simply happens overnight, but for those who are interested in advocating for the profession, maybe take us on your journey of, of how you um, got involved with both OPA and, and APHA at that level. Sure, um, you'll be surprised. It's so much easier than people really think of it, think of. Um, so, you know, what, back when I was in pharmacy school, Justin, you remember this, but I was not very involved as a student, so <laughs> I didn't actually participate in any of the associations. Um, I mentioned I was non-traditional, so I pretty much went home every weekend to work. Um, but, you know, I think, um, so I, I guess just to just say that I didn't do the traditional, like, join every student club type of pathway and really feel like I needed to show um, that on my CV before I could get to where I am today. So once I actually did my residency, that's where I first started to become exposed to the different organizations. Um, you know, during residency, we had to do our research project, do a poster presentation, and that was the first time I went to any of these type of meetings. And I really just love the energy um, and excitement that you go, that you experience when you're going to any of these meetings. Um, and really, you know, how I eventually got involved is that you know, they send out emails um, all the time of ways to get involved, like join a committee or volunteer to 
um, review abstracts, I just started signing up. So I just started saying yes when people asked for committee work. And I loved it because, again, like it was another way for me to meet more people, network and learn from other people's experiences. So, I mean, I, that's what I would encourage other people to do is just say yes to one committee. You, you will be surprised how much you can learn and how much professional growth that you'll have. Um, and again, if you're interested even beyond that, there's always more opportunities. And that's just what I continue to do is that I, you know, a lot of times people, people say it's good to say no. Like I was pretty much the opposite. I always just said yes and felt like it, you know, has really helped me throughout my journey. Well, that's great. And, and you inspire me to prioritize making sure that I'm advocating on behalf of the profession and our patients, ultimately. Um, so thanks for, uh, for blazing the trail for many of us to follow there. Um, so I, I'd love if you could to, to tell our students and pharmacists and other listeners about how someone can get um, more information about health informatics. If this idea of HIEs and EHRs and data flowing all over the place is super exciting and, and they want to learn how to apply that to the profession, where can someone get started learning about that? Sure. Um, so, you know, I'm still learning, so I think it's um, great that there's a lot of new opportunities out there, but there are continuing education programs available. There's different podcasts available. So one that I follow is called Pharmacy IT and Me. And there's a lot of online communities such as LinkedIn, and then there's a Slack, um, if people are familiar with the Slack messaging service, but there's a Slack um, pharmacy community. Um, you know, I really just love LinkedIn because you can see similarities and then you just message somebody and for the most part people are super warm and just always interested in like how can we learn more about each other and like get connected. Um, so that's been a pretty cool way um, to learn more about you know health informatics and just get create like your own little um, virtual network. Um, but health systems have a, a number of um, informatic pharmacists as well. So there's always ways to to meet or shadow them. But um, to me, it's just like, how do you make more friends? How do you get to, you know, I'm a pretty social person. So I just love just meeting more people and thinking about hearing their story and how they got there. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Appreciate that. Um, and lastly, I just want to give you an opportunity to let our listeners know where they can go to learn more about Health and Motion Network and the great work that you guys are doing. Sure. Um, so uh, we do have a website, so it's healthinmotionnetwork.com. And then we do have presence on LinkedIn. So you can follow either Health, Health in Motion Network or you can follow me, Kathy Kuhn, on LinkedIn. Um, but again, like I said, I'm always excited to connect with more people. Um, you know, I've had a number of students reach out and I love hearing their story and their interests. And it's really the students that continue to challenge and motivate me positively. Yeah, I've, I couldn't agree with that anymore. Well, Kathy, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for diving in and giving us a, a 101 on health information exchanges and how they might be able to take pharmacy to the next level. Appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to Disrupt, a podcast from the Cedarville University Center for Pharmacy Innovation. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe and share this podcast with others. Thanks for listening.